0: Uh, You know, a lot of uh, what was shared this morning uh, goes really well uh, with my sermon. So uh, it's great how God works that out, isn't it? Uh, We're going to be in the book of Isaiah today. Uh, It's an interesting book of the Bible. Um, It was written to a very rebellious people, uh, a a people that uh, for the most part it seemed like they didn't place their trust in the promises of God. Uh, A lot of what is written is, is a rebuke for their behavior, uh, and in Isaiah 42, uh, 18 through 25, uh, it says this. It says, "'Hear you deaf, look you blind and see. "'Who is blind but my servant, and deaf like the messenger I send? "'Who is blind like the one in covenant with me, blind like the servant of the Lord? "'You have seen many things, but you pay no attention. "'Your ears are open, but you do not listen.'" It pleased the Lord for the sake of His righteousness to make His law great and glorious. But this is a people plundered and looted, all of them trapped in pits or hidden away in prisons. They have become plunder with no one to rescue them. They have been made loot with no one to say, send them back. Which of you will listen to this or pay close attention in time to come? Who handed Jacob over to become loot in Israel to the plunderers? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned? For they would not follow His ways. They did not obey His law. So He poured out on them His burning anger, the violence of war. It enveloped them in flames, yet they did not understand. It consumed them, but they did not take it to heart. That's pretty harsh. But Israel sinned. They turned away from the God that had done so much for them, and God handed them over to be oppressed. In Isaiah 31, it says this, starting in verse 1, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. Yet He too is wise and can bring disaster. He does not take back His words. He will rise up against that wicked nation, against those who help evildoers. But the Egyptians are mere mortals and not God. Their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out His hand, those who help will stumble. Those who are helped will fall. All will perish together. Those those are kind of typical remarks for God's people in the book of Isaiah. They turned away from Him. They worshipped and served false gods. They depended on the help from foreign nations who served and worshipped those same false gods. They craved worldly security instead of seeking that same security, that same hope from God. In Isaiah 30, verse 15, it says this. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. He gave them the answers. If you would just repent and rest in me you'll be saved if you would be quiet and trust me you will find strength they just disregarded it they didn't really trust him if they had relied on god they would have found salvation and strength but they didn't do it but how often do we do the same thing how often do we turn to god as a last resort rather than our first option waiting until our own strength has failed so spectacularly that we have no option but to turn to him. It's not a problem that's unique to Israel in the time of Isaiah. You know, Abraham had his own ideas about how to keep himself and Sarah safe. Uh, We got another slide there. There, There's a few examples here. Uh, Abraham, he thought, well, the way to keep us safe is uh, I'm going to lie and I'm going to say Sarah's my sister and not my wife. It failed miserably. Twice. Uh, then, when uh, the spies were sent to check out the promised land, uh, 10 of the 12 of them were too scared to take hold of what God had promised. Joshua and Caleb really trusted in God, and they eventually received their blessing because of that. Um, but the other 10 didn't really trust God. They said, no, 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 this is too difficult, let's not even try. Even even all the way back to the garden, Adam and Eve didn't trust God enough not to eat from the tree that he had told them not to. They didn't really trust God enough to believe him when he said, everything else is good enough, don't eat from this tree. Just like that, just like all those examples and, and so many more, we rely on ourselves and what we want in the moment rather than fully trusting in what God has promised It seems like it's almost an inescapable part of the human condition. But I want to focus on why do we trust in God? Well, just a little bit further down in Isaiah chapter 30, uh, there's a message of hope that appears starting in verse 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious He will be when you cry for help. As soon as He hears, He will answer you. Got the next one here. Sorry, I didn't get turned there. There we go. No, I forgot the other slide. Yeah, I do that sometimes. All right, verse 20 and 21. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction... Your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. God longs to be gracious to his people despite their rebellion. You know, the the words early in chapter 30 are extremely harsh, right? Um... This transition says, woe to the obstinate children in verse 1. But then later he's talking about he longs to be gracious to his children. He says, if you will just turn to me, as soon as I hear your cry for help, I will answer. Yes, God gave them adversity. Yes, God gave them affliction. But when they turn back to him, he also promises, I will show you the way to go. I will be that, that voice in your ear telling you, go this way, do that. That kind of hope, that, that kind of hope that we can only have when we turn to God is what I want to focus on today. Um, there, there's a lot of reasons that we have to be thankful, right, coming up on Thanksgiving, uh, but it really all just comes down to hope, Right? Uh, That was a specific promise to a specific people at a specific time. But I do believe with what I've read in the Bible and with what I know of God, it can be applied pretty broadly uh, to us here today as well. Yes, we face adversity and we face affliction as a result of our sinful actions. But God answers us in our time of need. As humans, we are rebellious to God. Collectively, as a whole, as people, uh, we seek too frequently to fulfill our own desires rather than to honor God. And we pay for it, right? We pay for it with with broken relationships. We pay for it with all kinds of uh, difficulty and uncertainty and and anxiety and worry and, and stress and so many other things that a lot of it we just bring on ourselves because of our own sinful uh, desires, our own decisions. That's not to say that, that they are only caused by those things, but our sin absolutely makes those things worse, right? Um, instead, we need to do uh, what Jesus says in Matthew 16, right? Rather than seeking our own way, our own desires, we need to, uh, as he instructed his disciples, deny ourselves take up our cross and follow Jesus. Because he says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. When, when I seek what I want above all else, it usually ends poorly. Unless that happens to align with the will of God. Right? If what I want above all else aligns with the will of God, I'm confident that it will end well. It will end in God's blessing. Because I know the God that I serve. I know His character. I know what He's about. But when it's about me, and it does not align with His will, it goes terribly every time. I don't want to talk about the the problems, but I want to talk about the hope that we have in Jesus and and what are some of the reasons that we have uh, to be thankful. In Romans 8, Verses 18 through 25, it says, uh, Paul says, "I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies." Wish I had some water here. Uh, our present sufferings, they're, they're nothing compared to what's coming. Every difficulty we might face, every illness, every injury, every frustration, it's, it's nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed on that day when we meet Jesus. It, it is going to be Incredible. And what we get then and what we hope for now is eternal and it is lasting. Okay, I, I love sports. Um, I, I follow very closely, uh, you know, a handful of different teams. And, and when my team wins, it is exciting and it is great. But it's, you know, just for a little while, right? And when they lose, it's frustrating but it's just for a little while, right? No, no matter how high or low uh, I might get, I'll um, oh, thank you, Elaine. <laughs> um, none of it matters all that much. None of it matters in eternity. My team could win every game, and all it's going to give me is a little bit of momentary joy. But when I Baptized my son last summer. That gave me a joy that doesn't compare to anything else. And I know that I'm going to get to be with Jesus. And hopefully someday long after that, he is too. That that joy of knowing that that lasting love of Jesus Christ. Man, I can deal with anything. Because it's just for a little while. The glory that we will be revealed is so much greater than the struggles of this earth. In Isaiah 40, I know we've kind of hopped around here, but in Isaiah 40, God begins to comfort His exiled people. They are in Babylon, and it is bad. They deserve it, but it's bad. And He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all the people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God has revealed his glory, and we know now that that he revealed it ultimately through Jesus Christ. The the people, the Israelites trapped in Babylon facing, facing those trials, they didn't have Jesus. They didn't know the victory was already won. They didn't have what we have. But God promised them all the same the glory of the Lord will be revealed. He assured his people that that their time of trial would end and that their sin would be pardoned. What better news could there possibly be? I can't imagine being a prisoner on death row, knowing that the time of my execution was coming and and just hoping, praying that the call would come from whoever has the power to to stop it. I can't imagine what that's like. But I'm a sinner. I deserve death. I'm guilty, and without Jesus, I stood condemned. but then I met Jesus. And it was explained to me the miracle of what Jesus did. And I got to know him and my death sense. Sentence that was final and complete and eternal was pardoned by the blood of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for me. Thank God. And Isaiah 40 continues in verse 9. You who bring good news to Zion, go up high on a mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and He rules with a mighty arm. See, His reward is with Him and His recompense accompanies Him. He tends His flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in His arms and carries them close to His heart. He gently leads those that have young. God comes in power. God shepherds His flock. And we can be thankful that we have access to that power and we have the comfort of knowing... We don't have to guide ourselves. We don't have to figure out on our own, what do we do? God has given it all to us because he is a good shepherd. He takes care of his sheep. Verse 25 and 26, uh, a little bit further on, it dares us to compare God to any ruler. Because God knows that if we make that comparison between him and any ruler of this earth, they all come up short. There's not a one that can compare to our God. Who created the heavens? God did. It says He knows each star by name. If He treats the stars that way, how do you think He feels about you? Well, we don't have to guess because Psalm 139 tells us. Right? It tells us, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Me. And you and every single one of us. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. The creator of the universe knows each of us just like David understood that God knew him when he wrote that psalm. We matter to the God of the universe who created the heavens, who calls forth the stars by name. What great hope we have. What incredible reasons to be thankful. God knows us intimately and personally. He gave us his word. He sent us his son. He sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within those who believe, repent, and are baptized in his name. God has done everything possible to make it as easy as it can be for us to connect with him. That's why we're thankful. I'm thankful for my family. Uh, I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for my house, my comfortable bed, for for beautiful sunny days like we have today. I I have an incredible amount of things to be thankful for, but they all pale in comparison to my thanks for God and what he's done for me. The only reason I have any of that is because of him and his goodness and his grace and his mercy. But even those that don't have all that I have. Those that haven't been able to enjoy all the things in life that I have. What about the people who've lost their closest loved ones who are stuck in a job that they hate or they or they've dealt with one problem after another in this life? Well, they can thank God too. Because James 4.14 reminds us that our life is like a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. It might seem long now, but when we are in heaven with Jesus Christ, man, who cares? It doesn't matter anymore. David says it in Psalm 39, you've made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. In light of eternity this life is a very short time. The hope that Jesus offers isn't only for now. It's mostly for then, for eternity. I have it on pretty good authority, Revelation 21 and elsewhere, that eternity is going to be pretty fantastic for those that belong to God. If you don't believe me, read the Bible. (laughs) You'll find out pretty quick. And I don't say this to diminish the difficult things of this life, right? It doesn't seem short when we're in the the midst of those struggles. I am sure that the time that Israel spent in captivity did not seem short to them despite God's promises. But in those times, we have this hope. In those times, hopefully we can lean on one another as the body of Christ, whether it's someone brings a meal or... Or, or just takes cares of something, or being a shoulder to cry on, or knowing that, you know, hey, you're, you're praying for me. We've got to be able to, to do this together. And to wrap up, we got one more passage from Isaiah 40 that I think offers an incredible hope. Starting in verse 28, it says, Do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Let us take comfort in knowing who he is and what he has done. We should be thankful because our hope is in Jesus Christ, who through his death on the cross provided us with a path to victory over sin and death. And because we have a body of believers around us to share our burdens in addition to that wonderful God who gives us strength. Man, if you don't know the hope of Jesus, you're missing out. And we'd love to share that with you today. So we're going to sing a song of invitation. Um, I will personally guarantee, or your money back, that if you put your trust in Jesus, it's going to be better than anything this world has to offer. I know that most of you in here, you already know that full well. You've experienced that. You've enjoyed that. And I hope that we can all uh, share that with somebody this week.